This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. About 15, 16 years ago, we started the first generation of this podcast. We called it HI Radio, HI for Hogs Illustrated. And when I think about how we used to do that podcast and what we're doing today, uh, it's pretty incredible. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story before we get into our talk about Arkansas, Florida, and the game they've got coming up on Saturday. Uh, We're doing this podcast from our studio. It's a new studio that we built in downtown Fayetteville, Spencer Tyree, Blake Sutton have, have put a lot of uh, their time and effort and resources into getting this built out. And eventually, we're going to have video with this podcast. In fact, what we're doing today, you're only going to be able to hear an audio version of the podcast, but we're doing a dry run of the video just to see how it looks uh, and, and get that ready for coming weeks. We're going to do this with our football podcast. We're going to do it with our uh, basketball podcast that Scotty hosts, uh, probably with our baseball podcast in the spring when that comes around too. And we got a lot of really neat things planned Uh, for this room that we have here at our studio. But when I was on my way here, about a 15-minute drive for me and Scotty from our house. We live one neighborhood across from each other. And I was about two miles away, and I realized I forgot my phone. And I turn off on this road just instinctively, and it's the road that Clay Henry used to live on. And I'm driving down the road, and it's a beautiful fall day. The leaves are falling. You know, you got the color. It's kind of cool outside. And I immediately just had this flashback as I was thinking about, you know, driving through there and coming over here to do a podcast in the studio for the first time. And it was that HI Radio podcast. Uh, I don't know that people realize this, and I'm sure they don't, but the first year or two that we did the HI Radio podcast, we did it at Clay Henry's kitchen table. And we, he would, uh, I'd go over there a morning a week. I can't remember what morning it was, but I'd go over there and we would talk about the previous week's game and we would look ahead to the game that was coming up, very similar to what we do now, except for we do two podcasts now, then we did one podcast a week. And Clay would make apple pancakes, and we would eat apple pancakes at his uh, dining room table. And then, you know, we'd talk maybe about the show, but probably about something else. And we'd clear the table, he'd come back in, and we'd record the podcast. And I'm looking around here at all the different tools that we have for this podcast. And I think about the way that we did the podcast there in those early days. I had a camcorder that I would put on the table and I had a splitter and I would put two microphones into the splitter. They were long, skinny microphones. I called them the Bob Barker Barker mic. You've heard me say it. The Bob Barker mic because it looks like the ones that he would use on the prices, right? Probably not nearly as high dollar as the ones they've got at Television City. And we would sit there and we would record the podcast into this camcorder. We weren't videoing ourselves. It was just this was the way that we could pick up the audio. And so it's just amazing to think about how far all of this has come. And then, you know, I'd take it back and I would do, uh, you know, the the audio editing. at a friend of mine down in Fort Smith named Brandon Bolin, who was a music major over at Asylum Springs at JBU. He had a great voice. He did the the intro for us and, you know, I'd tack on the intro uh, how we would get the podcast online. My brother, who still lives down in Fort Smith, uh, he you know dabbles in computer programming, and he set me up this little page. This was back before you had these sites like SoundCloud and Castos and all these different ones where you can host your podcast. Now, you had to have a site where you could host your podcast, mm-hmm. this little RSS feed that you could push out to iTunes. 
And so I just think about all that and how we're doing this today. I mean, we're going to sit down and we're going to record this podcast and we're going to walk out of here and Blake and Spencer and everybody, they're going to take care of all of it. And it's just amazing to think about how far this has come from when we first started doing that little HI radio podcast all those years ago. Yeah. And I think when we were doing the podcast in studio, maybe pre-COVID, the room that Blake and Spencer are in right now, I think that was the room that we did yeah, it, it in. And now we've got a room where Blake can look through the window, Spencer can look through the window, and they can see us. And it's this room is like maybe two or three si- times the size of my first apartment in Fort Smith. <laughs> like it's a it's a good size, uh, it's a good size room. The only thing we're missing, Blake forgot the pancakes, yeah. but they did feed us in here today. So I have Blake I, call you with his apple pancake I did, recipe. I did get down on some time. food before the podcast started. Hopefully, I won't be able to tell. Yeah, I used to work over at Bo Mattingly's radio show when we first started out. And, you know, eventually they built a real neat studio. And it reminds me a lot of this. I mean, I'm having like some flashbacks looking through those windows. And you know, they had the cameras. They had the wall back here behind them and everything. And uh, th- this is a really neat setup. And so, hey, kudos to Spencer and Blake and Chip Souza and Brent Powers and everybody who had a hand in making this become a reality because I think this is going to be a really neat deal that we can use. It's very cool. And I came in here on Tuesday with Bob and Ethan and did the basketball podcast of Mid-America. And Blake had to like give me, you're 20 minutes in, go to a break. You're 40 minutes in. You might want to start (laughs) wrapping this thing up because it's, we've been doing these on Zoom for so long. Mm -hmm. And Zoom does a good job of like getting you out of there because unless you have like the pro subscription or whatever, it's going to cut you off after 40. So we normally keep it. Mm -hmm under 40 a little bit, but we went 50 the other day and it didn't seem like it at all. So hopefully these, these podcasts will just keep getting better and better. That's how radio goes. It's, you know, you got three, four hours and all of a sudden the three, four hours really just go by. It doesn't seem like we've been in here for very long. All right, but we, we digress. We'll go to Arkansas, Florida, talk down the Razorbacks and Florida playing Saturday at 11 a.m. Central time. It's going to be on ESPN two, of course, in the swamp in Gainesville. I don't know how I feel about this game. Of course, it's Arkansas's first game in two weeks since that debacle uh, on October 21st against Mississippi State here in Fayetteville. But I'm not real sold on Florida being a really good team. I mean, this is a team that, you know, you look at their games that they've played so far. They beat Tennessee. That was a little bit of a surprise, I think, to people that they beat Tennessee. It was a night game in the swamp. And then they go to Kentucky the next week, and I don't think that's a good Kentucky team. And they lose. Kentucky ran them off the they field. They lose really bad. Ray Davis had a big game. They're running back. Vanderbilt comes back the next week. I know it's Vanderbilt, but Florida has one of the most efficient games of the year in the SEC. Its offense scored 38 points in 10 possessions that game. Its defense held Vanderbilt to two touchdowns in 10 possessions. South Carolina the next week, they win in Columbia, but it's not a very pretty game, and they have to come back late to win it. And, of course, you know, they played Georgia last week, and, and we all know how that goes. It goes how – you know, it usually goes for a team that's playing Georgia. I just, I, I go back and forth. I, if, if I didn't live in Fayetteville, Arkansas, I probably wouldn't think Arkansas had a chance in this game. But the fact that we watch every play of every Arkansas game makes me think that Arkansas has got a chance in this game. I mean, we've, we've watched them have an opportunity to beat good teams. I mean, I'm just looking at the games right here. They went to LSU and lost by a field goal. They went to Alabama and lost by a field goal. If you can play in Death Valley and you can play in Tuscaloosa, you can play in the Swamp. These are better LSU and Alabama teams than this is a Florida team. But you always circle back around to the fact that Arkansas just hasn't done it yet. You know right. what I mean? They, yeah. they have not made the plays. They have not 
made the coaching decisions. They haven't done all of these things that you have to do in a close game to win those close games. And that's what gives me pause, thinking that they could go in and win a game in Florida this week. And, oh, by the way, they've got an offensive coordinator who's never called plays before in his life. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's a tough task for him, but I don't think it's an impossible task. I don't think it's impossible either. But we wrote keys for this week like we do every game week, and my top one was Kenny Guyton. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that, like, if, if Kenny Guyton was calling plays for the first time in Razorback Stadium, it would be probably challenging. Yeah, It's not like those non-scripted runs that you have in practice. It's not – it's the best you can do midweek, I think, to get a coach prepared to call plays in game on Saturday. But there's nothing I don't think – it's like in basketball preparing for a guy like Zach Eady. You don't have any. You don't have anybody close to the size of that guy, so you can't like properly prepare for it. But mm-hmm. you can do the best that you can. Like you can put the walk on guard on the walk on forward shoulders or something, uh, mimic size. Only halfway kidding, but it's it's so different. Your first game on the road in conference play, and it's not just a conference road game. It's one of the more intimidating places to play in all of college football, and Florida is going to be amped up. For, for this game, I would imagine, even though it is an 11 o'clock game, probably want to try to bounce back the best way you can after losing to Georgia the way they did. game wasn't all that competitive, um, I think, after maybe the first quarter. They did throw the first punch in that game, but um, didn't stand much of a chance after that. But I, I, I honestly don't – I'm with you. I don't know what to make of really either of these teams because we didn't see any practice this week because Sam's on Monday – when the we got our schedule for the week, like here's what time Sam's going to be available, here's when players are going to be available, mm-hmm. no practice availability this week. Not that we – I mean, we don't get a ton of stuff other than this guy was in a green jersey, Here's no contact type. Updates. You get personnel updates more than I think anything. Um, maybe see who's – if Dominic Johnson's working at tight end, that kind of thing. We don't know what this is going to look like. And we especially don't know what it's going to look like on the road in that environment. I think they're. Mm-hmm. I think they may have a sold out crowd. They're wearing black uniforms for the first time. There's going to be a lot of electricity in that, in that stadium. I would imagine. I think they thought this was going to be a night game. I think they did too. I think they did for sure. Um, I think. But to your point, Arkansas has competed really well on the road, and every time that they've done that, we've probably a few days beforehand been like, "Yeah, I don't know how this is going to go," because they've. They've been really tough environments that they've played in. Mm-hmm. I don't. I really don't know about this, but if you look at some of like the point the point spreads from the from the odds makers and stuff, they're expecting Arkansas to compete. I think, which is interesting. But I think it's again maybe a testament to to Arkansas's defense and Florida's offense can be explosive, but it can also like against Kentucky, it can it can hit a wall at times. Mm-hmm. I think. They're just inconsistent. They're hot yeah. and cold. I think, Graham Mertz, is, I think Graham Mertz is a pretty good quarterback. Like he's taking good care of the ball this year. I think his touchdown interception ratio is like seven to one, and he's. I think he's got eleven touchdown passes to one pick in SEC play. Mm-hmm. So he's taking good care of it. Um, he, but I think it's Florida's just always got playmakers. They always do. They want to get you on the edge, and and I think maybe test how sound you are fundamentally tackling that kind of thing. And I think that's going to be maybe the biggest non-Kenny Guyton test this weekend. 
supposed to be 80 degrees Saturday in Florida, north wind, so you're not going to have as much humidity down there. Let's say like later in the week when you got 86 and winds out of the south, uh, you know, we play on that day and, and you'll be cooking a little bit. But, uh, you know, they've got this blackout, they've, they've got the black jerseys that they're going to wear. Again, I think they thought this was going to be a night game and then SEC comes along and says, hey, here you go. Happy 11 a.m. Hey, we kickoff. can't put Arkansas on after 11 o'clock. <laughs> Arkansas does start at three next week against Auburn. But it, the I wrote this week, this week the Georgia effect, and I called it the new Alabama effect because you know we've all heard about how teams perform the week after they play Alabama. And I actually went and looked up the numbers. And, and so since 08, when Nick Saban became the head coach at Alabama, or it was his second year at Alabama, but it was the year he really got him rolling. Teams are 40 and 44 against Alabama the week after, or, or the week after they play Alabama when they mm-hmm. play another Power Five team. Some of them don't play the next week. Some of them might play Samford the next week. You know what I mean? But when they go from Alabama to another Power Five team, they are 40 and 44 the next week. Georgia, since 2017, that's the year Kirby Smart got them rolling. That's the year they won their first SEC championship. Teams are 15 and 19 the week after they play Georgia when they play another Power 5 team. So I think there's something to that. You know, there's so much talk about, you know, Alabama beats you up and Georgia, they beat you up. And I think there's something to that. They're the most physical team you're going to play every year. I think there's a psychological element to it too. Yeah. You get so amped up to play that game because when you're Florida and your schedule comes out, one of the first games you look at is Georgia in the cocktail party. What day is that going to be on this year? Um, and there's so much, I think they had a bye week before they played Georgia. And so there's so much preparation and anticipation going into that game that when you play it, win or lose, but especially lose and you don't play well, there's a little bit of a high you have to come down from, yeah, right? Sure. You know, when you when you play Georgia, and so I just wonder about Florida's mindset going into this game. We know how atmospheres are early in the morning. You know, maybe the blackout changes things a little bit because it's something unique. It's not your run-of-the-mill 11 a.m. kickoff or noon kickoff there in Gainesville because they're on Eastern time. But, you know, it's the, the, the atmosphere is not as good. You've got that high you're coming down from for Georgia. You've got the worst team in the SEC West coming in. I mean, it, it has all the trappings. Arkansas coming off a bye. It has all the trappings of, of Florida falling into a little bit of a trap this weekend. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, I think maybe you mentioned the psychological impact of playing Georgia and losing to Georgia. Part of it may be that obviously every team's got these aspirations, some of them realistic, some of them unre- unrealistic, of you know wanting to compete for a division title or a conference title. Mm-hmm. And you go play Georgia, you get your tail kicked, and then it's like, you see the difference in Realize where you are. you are. Yes, relative to them. And then you kind of, you have to keep going unless it's your final game of the year mm-hmm. um, and you're not bowl eligible. But I think that's, I think that is real because you realize at that point how far maybe you have to climb still. And you maybe, maybe that's your dose of reality is playing Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I think Arkansas's, we say this every week on the pod, don't we? Arkansas's defense is going to give them a chance to win. I still believe that. And I think the bye week, I don't know. I think the bye week obviously was really good for Arkansas 
on offense. Defensively, I wonder if that defense is obviously would like to get, you know, banged up players back. But they probably were they were in a good groove. Like mm-hmm. they've been giving up, I think, 19 and a half of the defense mm-hmm. has been given up 19 and a half points the last four weeks. They may have wanted to keep going, but they get some guys healthy this week. And it's probably a good thing. It's like I mentioned earlier, Florida's got really good skill talent. Defense could give you a chance to win. I think it's about um, did you take the right amount of the playbook out and did you keep the right plays in it? And can you get KJ Jefferson out of the mud? You get him on the move. Yeah. You get him out of the move. You get him on the move. Maybe you see the pocket rolled finally. You don't don't know if that's going to happen, but Sam has been pretty adamant about we cannot just have KJ get the snap and drop back. We're, mm-hmm. They're not equipped to do that at this point. Well, and tempo is one thing that KJ For said sure. after Enos got fired, that he wants to see an element of tempo return to the offense, and, and they think that it will with Kenny Guyton. You know, I've had some time to think about, and I can't remember if I said this on the last podcast because we did do one after Enos got fired. I think this year has really made me appreciate Kendall Bryles more than I did when he was here. Um, and, and it's really two things. Number one, it's the element of tempo. I think yeah. how effective that is, because what ends up happening is that the opposing defense has to stay in a base defense most of the time. And you're able to exploit that. They're not able to do the stunts and the blitzes and everything that we've seen teams do against Arkansas week after week after week here over the last five weeks, especially. And number two, I think he was so good at finding matchups and being able to exploit it that I don't know that I realized that he was that good in the moment. And I was listening to a, a podcast or a, a, a radio show a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer, the Washington head coach now. He was Penix's offensive coordinator at Indiana, left Indiana, became the head coach at Fresno, went from Fresno to Washington. Penix ends up getting in the transfer portal, going up to Washington and, and following him there. And it was the radio analyst for Indiana, and he said, Michael Penix, the year that he played for Kalen DeBoer, and Michael Penix, the two years after DeBoer left, was a totally different quarterback. Did, yeah. He wasn't nearly as good after DeBoer left. And it's really made me think about Kendall Bryles and K.J. Jefferson, and that I think some play callers and some quarterbacks just pair together better than do others. And I thought the Dan Enos, K.J. Jefferson move was going to be good for K.J. I think that, you know, there there probably are some fundamentals that he has learned that we talked about in the offseason that that they may benefit him down the road. It's just the offense was such a bad fit for him. We never really got the chance to see those fundamentals, you know, the footwork, the poise in the pocket, those types of things. When you don't have an offensive line blocking for you, it doesn't matter how poised you are in the pocket. uh, it, It just was a bad fit. I would agree. I think Kendall Bryles maximized KJ and yeah, his abilities. That's a good point. And Dan coming in, it was like, I remember writing a story. It may have been SEC Media Day. Sam Pittman was like, KJ's game might look a little bit different this year than in past years. And I'm like, why on, earth, why on earth would you want to do that? Hmm. Now KJ's averaging literally 80 and a half yards less per game total offense than he was last year. Yeah. He's not he's not the kid that we had become accustomed to watching the previous two seasons. And it seemed like KJ himself was just he couldn't he was in this rut and couldn't get his way out of it. 
maybe this tempo opens him up a little bit. It just felt like he hasn't been in a rhythm all year. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of, well, it went, not a lot of, when Arkansas does get a first down, it's like they'll run up to the ball. It's almost like hurry up and wait mm-hmm. type thing. KJ just needs to go. Yeah. He needs to go. And I feel like if you're just, it's, if it's a lot of hurry up and wait, and then once you do snap the ball and it's two yards, and then it's like you're just kind of sitting there. Mm-hmm. You're sitting still for a long time. And I don't know if he gets maybe tight in those situations. Um, Your offensive lineman falls start a lot in those situations. Yeah, that's for sure. But he just he's, it feels like he's just been stuck in the mud this year, and yeah. that's kind of that's been kind of the the whole deal with the offense. But the it's so glare like eighty and a half yards less total offense this year than last year. It's it's obvious mm-hmm. that he is not the same person, and he was. I think you're right. He probably did learn some things from Dan, but we're not able to see it in full because other parts of the offense have been deficient. Mm-hmm. Like his protection has been deficient. Offensive line, tight ends, and running backs. So, like a couple of years ago, we remember Dominic Johnson would be solid in pass protection and give KJ that extra second or two of time to throw. Now it's just like whoever's protecting for him is, is getting blown up and then mm-hmm. the, play, the play is over and you're going backwards. And then this offense will get into third third down quicker than anybody I've ever seen it just did yeah it didn't work and I was I thought Dan could do some good things for KJ but in my mind it's it was like why are you wanting to change this Superman type guy that you've got who is kind of a rarity in college football maybe kind of what you exactly what you want and it just it didn't work out and going back to browse people last year with Kendall Browse, were upset because the yards didn't equate to points. Now mm-hmm. Arkansas can't even get yard. They can't get yards. Yeah, like they no yards, no points. They haven't. Yeah, they haven't topped 300 yards of total offense in the last four weeks, and they'll have a rushing touchdown in five games. It's their, absurd. Their offensive efficiency is is number 12 in the SEC. The only two teams that are worst are Auburn and Mississippi State. Arkansas scores. That's not good company. To no, be it's in not. Anytime. Arkansas got 88 points in SEC play this year on offense. You, you take away the defensive touchdowns. 88 points on offense when, you know, if you assume a possession is worth seven points, the the max they could have had is 378 points. That's 23.3% That's gross. Of, all, of all points possible. You compare that to the best offense in the SEC, LSU, 58.8% of their points possible. LSU is on the far side. I mean, that, it's as efficient an offense as there is probably in college football this year. You want that number, I think, to be somewhere – higher than 35 percent mm-hmm. if you're getting higher than 35 percent uh that, that's a pretty good number it means you're getting uh you know you're, you're probably outscoring your opposition if you get higher than 35 percent if you have even a remotely decent defense arkansas well below that at 23.3 percent the whole Hog football podcast is sponsored by kendall king design display signage kendallking.com that's k-e-n-d-a-l-k-i-n-g.com The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kendall King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win, and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go hogs! 
We'll have SEC predictions coming up here in just a minute. One more thing I want to get to on Arkansas-Florida, though, is, is something you wrote, Scotty, about tackling mm-hmm. that I thought was really interesting, that Arkansas is tackling the last two or two of the last three games. Yeah, Alabama and Mississippi State. It's been yeah. really efficient. They've been very a very good tackling team. Uh, Florida's not a real good tackling team, and now they go into this game this week. They've lost their number one tackler, their linebacker, Shamar James, when you think about K.J. Jefferson potentially being on the move a little bit more and how hard he is to bring down, going against a team that's not the best tackling team, I think is something worth kind of exploring a little bit more. For sure. And it, you need guys like Shamar James to be able to go chase down K.J. Like Jefferson. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, yeah, Florida went through this three-week stretch right before their bye week where they played Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. And I'm looking at pro football focus numbers here might be addicted to those just a little bit. It's kind of like Ken Palm for football. But they had, against Kentucky, a tackling grade when they, I mean, Kentucky ran all over them. Tackling grade of 31.2. Vanderbilt, they had a tackling grade against Vanderbilt, 53.1. And then at South Carolina when they won, because their offense did enough, 55.1. They go to the bye week, and I get that you get blown out by Georgia, but your tackling grade improved coming off the bye week. I wonder if that can happen for Arkansas's defense too. And I don't know, I hope I'm not comparing apples to oranges, but you coming off a bye week where Sam said he feels like this team's in the best condition it's been health-wise. Mm-hmm. Can an already impressive tackling grade pre-bye week carry over with a healthier football team? Can an, can an already impressive number improve? You're gonna have to tackle well in this game to give yourself a chance because you're it's going to probably be a lot of open field tackling where guys get tested fundamentally one-on-one can i grab a hold of this guy's ankles and hold on and wait for help to come florida's top two running backs sec stat cat is a website that i go to a lot for sec football numbers it's really interesting both of florida's top two running backs have broken 32 tackles this year Hmm. and really elusive. They've almost combined for a 1,000 yards rushing, too. So Arkansas is going to have its work cut out for itself, but I think those two games before the bye week give you confidence that a healthy, a healthier team can go in and, and play well defensively. But again, it's, it's a different thing, thinking that you can do it and watching it on tape and then going down there and, and actually doing it. Rocket Sanders may be back this week. Could be. And it was funny, Sam was asked earlier this week, do you think Rocket was potentially circling this weekend because he's a Florida native? Mm-hmm. Could he be circling this to, to make a comeback? And Sam was like, oh, man, yeah, maybe so. I didn't even think about it. I don't know that we, if, if Rocket does play, could potentially be on a snap count because mm-hmm. obviously he's not as in, in season form as, as the other guys are. He hasn't played, I don't think, since the Ole Miss game which would be, what, three or four weeks ago on on Saturday. So I don't know if Rocket is able to play. I would press pause on expecting just a ton, Mm -hmm. unless they get him in the screen game. He's apparently really good (laughs) catching passes in the screen game for for some reason, but that may be something they go to. I just don't think you can expect him to go out and be a a world beater. But he is talented enough, if that knee is healthy, where he he could make an impact for sure. About two and a half hours from Gainesville is where Rocket grew up in, in Rockledge, Florida. You know, one other thing that we haven't really explored a whole lot this week is maybe the level of familiarity that Arkansas's defensive back coaches have with this Florida offense. you got yeah. Darren Wilson, who came over from Florida. You've got uh, uh, Marcus Woodson, who was at Florida State, who saw the – I wonder, do you think that has 
any bearing this week. That's interesting. You asked me that earlier in the week, and I just didn't know. I, I didn't think about it. You got Josh it. Braun on. Maybe he's like this yeah. week's Connor Stallions. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty crazy. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think. I guess what I'm saying is there's more familiarity with Florida maybe than you yeah. would expect for two teams that don't see each other very often. Yeah, I think there's there's something <clears throat> to that. I just I think Travis Williams is just a good coach, man. Yeah. And his defensive staff that he's put together is really good. You think about Arkansas was they finished last year in, in pass defense. I think that's what Sam said. Yeah. They just finished. Mm-hmm. And then he's got this defense, like they're the reason that we think Arkansas can be competitive in games. And so I've I'm I, honestly I've got optimism that Arkansas will play well defensively based on kind of like we're not picking Arkansas probably to win because of mm-hmm. previous performances and we're not going to until they do. I think they can I'm optimistic about the defense playing well because they've done it for four straight weeks mm-hmm. now. And I think Travis is I think Travis has really reached those guys and we talked about maximizing the potential of your players. I think I think he's doing it. They're bought in with him. That Josh Braun thing was a joke. I don't I don't think he's doing any Connor Stallions <laughs> type stuff. Boy, isn't that fascinating? Man. What's going on in Michigan? Yeah, and Central Michigan's doing their own investigation now because they found a goatee man on the sideline. That is, that, I thought he kind of looked like you too. Like if, oh, if you put on man. shades, should I have gone as Connor Stallions for Halloween? You could have. Like if you would have got like a Chippewa hat and put on some shades, you could you could pass as the potential Connor Stallions on the sideline at Central Blake, Michigan. Blake, remind me to shave before we go on video. <laughs> or I'll just come in here full Connor Stallions outfit. All right, let's get to SEC predictions for this week. A lot of lot of SEC games this week. Blake, cue the music. We'll start with Texas A&M against Ole Miss. It's going to be on ESPN. A lot of 11 a.m. kickoffs, by the way, on Saturday. This one at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Ole Miss is a slight favorite in this game. Kind of an intriguing game between a couple of teams that I think are flying under the radar a little bit in the SEC West. It is an interesting game, and I'm trying to find the spread for it. What did I tell you before? I think it's three it was and a half. Three and a half. Man, I wouldn't touch that with somebody <clears throat> else's money. That's a that's a, a tough one. I, th- I I like Texas A&M's defense, and I know your numbers are really fond of of A&M's yeah. defense for the good reason. They're A&M super wins talented. They're super talented. Um, crazy. Ole Miss is just and they're in the top ten. I heard Lane Kiffin the other day talking about how for the third straight season he's got. Ole Miss in the top 10 mm-hmm. of either the coaches of the AP poll. I think Ole Miss is, I think they're pretty good. Um, I don't, I don't, I just don't think A&M's got it offensively. I don't like the game manager type backup quarterback mm-hmm. with, with like they do have weapons, but the game manager type quarterback kind of maybe sets you back a little bit. I'll go with, with Ole Miss at, at home. That game deserves better than an, an 11 o'clock kickoff though. <laughs> that could benefit A&M. Honestly, yeah, sleepier, sleepier time in the Grove. You know the ratings love A and M. They love A and M's defense. I just keep thinking that maybe they're over, they're overselling A and M a little bit based on these defensive numbers because the offense, it has struggled. It, it hasn't been real good without Connor Wegman in it this year. So the fact that Ole Miss is at home, I'm going to take Ole Miss close though. I wouldn't be surprised if A and M. The one thing these ratings don't take into account is defensive touchdowns mm-hmm. but on the flip side you know A&M's defense is so good they can present some opportunities for the offense set up some short field special teams too with Anaya Smith in the punt return game yeah for sure the, 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 wouldn't We've be surprised if A&M hand, goes yeah. into Oxford 
and wins that game. A couple of games we're not going to talk about that are 11 a.m. kickoffs. UConn goes to Tennessee. That'd be a great women's basketball matchup. Probably not great on the football field. That Good was going to be men's basketball too. Wouldn't be bad this year, would it? Uh, SEC Network is the uh, channel for that. Jacksonville State goes to South Carolina. A couple of teams that are called the Gamecocks. That'll be on ESPNU. Uh, go to the afternoon games. First off on SEC Network, a three o'clock kickoff. Auburn goes to Vanderbilt. Auburn all of a sudden is looking pretty good and or, or better. It's a low bar, but they're looking better. <laughs> they beat Mississippi State last week. Yeah. They've got Vanderbilt this week. They go to Arkansas next week. I have a feeling they like their chances of maybe making a run here in November. Yeah, that Auburn game in a couple weeks in Fayetteville is looking less and less like a potential win, I would say. Mm-hmm. Is it like Auburn last week did to Mississippi State, what a lot of people expected Arkansas, Arkansas to do to them, yeah. and had pretty good success running the ball. That game was never, especially late, I think. It was never in doubt. wasn't in doubt. No. I like Auburn, and I think I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, but like Auburn, or not Auburn, Vanderbilt's just like, I kind of equated it several years ago, like before maybe Ben Howland got to Mississippi State basketball and they were kind of it was just kind of a lifeless building Mm -hmm. to go in and play and it can be hard for an opposing team to go in and play it almost feels like it's just an open gym run you got to bring your own energy Houston not talked about that earlier this year he said Vanderbilt was always one of the toughest places that he coached at it's tough and then Vanderbilt's actually they've got a couple of guys but I don't you need more than a couple of guys to to win in the SEC I think Auburn I think Auburn will win. They may have a Auburn's run game. I think is pretty solid, if I'm not mistaken. I think they'll, they can't throw it very well. I think I saw a tweet the other day from an Auburn writer that Peyton Thorne threw three touchdowns against Mississippi State, and he was maybe the first Auburn quarterback to do that since Bo Nix in 2020. Hmm. It's been a long time since they've had a. <clears throat> a pretty good passing game, but I think they'll be able to, to run it well enough to win. I think Auburn goes to Vanderbilt and wins. I, I just, I, I don't think Vanderbilt wins. Th- that my one. explanation didn't need to be that long. I think Auburn will win. <laughs> Missouri goes to Georgia. There's a CBS doubleheader on Saturday. This is the first game of that doubleheader. It's the last SEC on CBS doubleheader ever because the SEC is leaving uh, the network after this season. There was a great story by Ross Dellinger today exploring the kind of the inner workings of how the SEC-CBS relationship mm-hmm. fell apart. If you want to go find that, that's that's a really good read. Uh, Missouri's ranked number 12. Georgia, obviously, number one in the AP poll. I think they're number two in the coach, or in the, uh, the college football playoff poll that came out earlier this week. The ratings say Missouri's going to go in and give Georgia a pretty good game, but it just seems like whenever Georgia is expected to be challenged. Yeah. It is always the absolute, <laughs> remember the Kentucky especially game? when it's in Athens. <clears throat> remember the Kentucky game a few weeks ago? Yeah. It was all, yeah, it was a blowout game. And I think Kirby Smart can sit on the SEC coaches teleconference or in front of local guys during the week and say, yeah, we don't really care. We don't feel slighted about being number two. It's probably going to be one of those prove to them you're number one mm-hmm. and make them when realize the that they got it. the post game video comes out from the, from the locker, it it's a totally different story. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it could be one of those Dan Lanning type pregame speeches <laughs> from from Kirby, where his, his Bama swoop is is fl- flying everywhere. Isn't it amazing this year? The coaches, the, the comments from you know they they talk so much about you know keeping things tight, not letting the outside noise go. 
coaches are getting really thin skinned this year. You got mm -hmm. the Dan Lanning deal. You've got uh, Mark Stoops with the comment on his coach's show about Georgia. You had the Dabble Swinney uh, blow oh up with gosh, Tyler yeah. from Spartanburg yeah. uh, earlier this week. There was a there was a moment in their press conference earlier this week with Clemson. Uh, Dabble came in and said, "What are you guys going to be for Halloween?" And one of the reporters said, "I'm going to be Tyler from Spartanburg." <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, I, I would be a fool to sit here and think that Missouri was going to win that game. I think they can be competitive, and. Georgia is okay without Brock Bowers, mm -hmm. I think. They've, it's just. Their offense has actually been better without it's him. Who's next in line? It's like, you know how we used to talk about, he's probably kind of still talk about Alabama, where they make these dudes mm -hmm. look the same, run the same um, in this the factory prototype. and just roll them out when, whenever somebody goes down. I think they've done that at, at tight end. It may not be talent wise the same type of player as Brock Bowers, but mm -hmm. still a pretty damn good one. I mean, they've, they've been forced to find other playmakers yeah. without Bowers. And they're all They've got Rara Thomas from Mississippi State last year. He's been pretty good. And they've got another guy that, that's really tough to cover. Georgia's offensive efficiency right now, 525. That means they're scoring 52.5% of all the points that are possible to them. That's second in the SEC. Carson Beck is getting better as the year goes on, I think. This is kind of like a hitter who goes into a, a weekend series with like a 420 batting average. And you look up and it's like, well, how did that raise by 17 points this weekend? Because you could have a good weekend and it still goes down. They're just playing at a really high level offensively from an efficiency standpoint. I think Georgia wins big over Missouri, even though others may think it's going to be kind of close. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Missouri's last loss this year. I think that could be a 10-win team. It's a really good team. Yeah, they're, they're a lot better than I thought they were uh, earlier this season. They've, they've, they've turned into a pretty good team. Uh, Saturday night, Kentucky goes to Mississippi State. You gotta throw up your hands with this yeah, one. I don't know. I'll I'll take Kentucky because I've seen more than enough Mississippi State football the last mm -hmm. couple weekends to know that that, that team kind of they stink. Well, Kentucky hadn't been playing too well here lately. They lost to Tennessee last week. It was a close game. They lost Have to they been playing as bad as Mississippi State though? No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think that I think Mark Stoops is a really good coach. Yeah, I think he's going to have him turned around. And I think they're going to go into Starkville and, and, and shut up the Cowbells. I, I think they'll win that game. I don't think Mississippi State's a good team. No. Everybody talks about BYU, Arkansas losing BYU. I think losing to Mississippi State at home may have been a worse loss than losing to BYU. I, I, am, I, I don't think Mississippi State is a good team this year. And that was just a, a terrible performance, especially in light of what Auburn did to them the week after. Mississippi State's scoring 16.2 points per game in conference play. It's horrible. It's really, really bad. I mean, their offensive efficiency is easily the worst in the conference right now. It's at 21.4%. They've got 81 offensive points out of 378 possible. Uh, that would be, let me do some quick math here. That'd be about 54, 54 possessions. They've got 81 points offensively. Uh, yeah, I like Kentucky. That game's going to be at 630 on the SEC Network. Kentucky's a road favorite in that game. No that, surprise. That, that tells you everything. No surprise. Right uh, LSU goes to Alabama Saturday night, CBS, 645 kickoff. This is an interesting game to me yeah. because LSU's offense is scoring at such a high rate. Alabama is good defensively. I think this could be the, the, the loss on Alabama's schedule that knocks them out of Atlanta. I really do. This is, this is for the SEC West, basically, yeah. as long as LSU can handle its business down the back end. They've got, you know, they've got a little bit of challenges. I know, I know they play A&M uh, at the end of the year. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see LSU go into Tuscaloosa and win this game just because LSU's offense is so good 
And Alabama's offense is – I don't know that Jalen Milrow can trade blows with Jaden Daniels if yeah. he gets into that type of game. I can see that. What's the quarterback type that's given Alabama trouble at home in it's been the, dual the last decade? It's Quinn Ewers, and then it's a, it's a bunch of guys that Johnny you, Manziel. That it's I mean, really hard to keep in the pocket and contain. It's perfect for LSU to, to go in and win. Um, we, we can say that, but then we've also said a bunch of times this year, lightning's not going to strike twice in the same I think place. it could strike here. It could. I think it, it could. could. If you put... I'm going to go with Alabama because they're at home, and I would put my trust in Nick Saban over Brian Kelly in, mm-hmm. a, in a potentially tight game. I th- I th- Alabama's got the better defense. Can they come up with potentially a stop or two? Kelly outcoached Saban in a tight game last year. Beat him in overtime in Baton Rouge. He did do that. Man, how do I forget that? I'm going with I'm going with Alabama at home, though. You don't, you don't I think, think Jaden Daniels is – I think he has a nice day. Bama, who were they playing? They were just able to come up with stops when they needed it against, was it Tennessee? Tennessee, yeah. Came up with stops when they needed it and timely. Mm-hmm. Able to get the ball back to their offense and they can, you know, they can, like they've got those factory made players too. They can, they can, they can handle it. This is Daniel's potential Heisman game. Yeah. I got him number one on my Heisman board right now. Really good. If he goes into Tuscaloosa, you know, everybody's going to be watching this game. This is going to be one of those games where you come out on Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, there'll be 8, 10 million people that watch this game on average. This is the type of game that wins you the Heisman. If you go into Tuscaloosa and play well at night on CBS with, you know, Gary Danielson, Brad Nessler on the call, uh, yeah, they I don't can, they think can LSU give you that wins. signature Heisman call. It, you're right. I don't think LSU wins. I think it kind of goes back to what I've always said. I don't pick against Alabama, and mm-hmm. I'm certainly not going to pick against them at home. But I just I want to say this one thing. The, the ratings that we do, we use this equation to come up with a score for every game. Do you know what it gave me for LSU Alabama? 30 to 30. 30 wow. to 30. Now, if you go down by percentage point, you know, you go down to the decimal, it had LSU, slightly over Alabama. You drill down to common opponents, it has Alabama over LSU slightly, I think yeah. two points. Uh, I think that these two teams are really evenly matched. They're they're really good. And I'm looking at player props mm-hmm. for the game. Saracen has Jaden Daniels over under on his passing yards at 283 and a half and passing touchdowns at two and a half. If he goes over on one of those, LSU probably wins that game. I think they've got a chance to go into Tuscaloosa and win. I'm going to take Alabama because I don't pick against Alabama. I don't pick yeah. against them in Tuscaloosa for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if LSU wins that. Finally, Arkansas and Florida, like we said, 11 o'clock kickoff Central Time on Saturday. It'll be on ESPN2. The Razorbacks are a five-and-a-half-point underdog in this game in the Swamp. We, we talked about it at the outset. It seems unlikely that Arkansas is going to be able to go in there, but I would not be surprised if it's a close game. Yeah, I can see. I could. There's. I, th- I see a world where Arkansas covers the game, but it's for them to cover the game. The defense is gonna have to play well, mm-hmm. and I think it can. Is it gonna come down to like we mentioned earlier, the open field tackling? Can you limit explosive plays? Um, Florida's, like I've said this a million times already, really good playmakers. They've always got the quick twitch guys that can make you miss in space and. Somehow he darts through your your defense and he's gone for 80. 
they've got those kind of guys all over. We didn't see anything from Arkansas's offense in practice this week. Not that we see much of it anyway. Um, but there's just too much mystery, I think, with, with the offense. Even though trim the playbook down, you, you're going with what you feel like you do best. I'm honestly not sure what that is. Honestly. So I don't, I think there's too much mystery for me to pick Arkansas, but can they be competitive? Sure they can. They have, they have been the last three or four weeks maybe when we didn't necessarily expect them to. I think I would be more surprised by a blowout Florida win than yes. I would be by a close Arkansas win. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, it just, it doesn't feel like Florida's going to run away with this game. Maybe they do. Arkansas's never played well in the swamp. They, one time they played well there and Mark Curls and the boys made sure that they didn't win in 2009. Uh, but every other game's been a blowout. 97, they get beat by 49. Uh, 2004, they get beat by 15. 2013, they get beat by 20. They go down there a few years ago, they get beat by four touchdowns when Pittman's watching the game with Lucy out in the you yeah, know, and back. Yeah, Kyle Trask was trying to have his, his Heisman moment. Yeah, and so, I mean, they, they've just never, they've never really played well in the Swamp. But I think that they, I don't know that they've ever played a Florida team like this in the Swamp either. I, I think that they've yeah. been better Florida teams that they've played down there. I just think Florida wins. If it comes down to a close game, I don't have confidence right now in Arkansas winning close games. Wrote this today, Arkansas lost nine of their last 10 games have been decided by one possession. They are 0-5 in those games this year, and you go back to last November, their first game of last November against Liberty. That's when kind of this run started. They lose to Liberty, they lose to LSU, they lose to Missouri. You know, this year they lose to BYU, they lose to LSU, they lose to Ole Miss, Alabama, Mississippi State. It's a, and the one win in there was Kansas, where they blow a 24-point lead, <laughs> and they somehow find a way to eke that thing out in triple right. overtime. Yeah. They are not good in close games. They are just not good in close games. they got to find a way to reverse that. And until they can do that, I have a hard time picking them in any game, but especially a game on the road where you're not going to blow a team out. Sure. you got to win a close game. And so I, I, I think Florida wins. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas goes down there, has a good game plan, is competitive into the third, fourth quarter. I just don't think they're going to win because I don't think that they have figured out a way to win on the road. And mm -hmm. I know you got to, you know, at some point you figure it out. Yeah. But I just don't know that this is the week they figure it out. I don't know that Graham Mertz is the type to like pick you apart passing the ball. No. I mean, he had big day against South Carolina, but South Carolina's defense, meh. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he does take good care of the ball. So if you can be opportunistic, get a couple turnovers. Maybe your offense gets you a field goal out of, gets you a field goal out of it. Maybe, God forbid, they go score a touchdown. Who knows what happens after that? Um, but it seems like, like I like Arkansas secondary. To me, it's just it's the nickel and the safety coming down in the box. Can you make open field tackles and and keep like a like one of those edge runs to like four yards instead of twenty four yards? Mm -hmm. At that point, it just those if you let those big plays happen, it can kind of wear on you, I think, over time. The efficiency ratings, by the way, have a Florida of 25 to 23 in this game. So they think it's going to be a really close game. And, and you look at the I numbers, be shocked. that's not real Fairly surprising. low scoring. Yeah, yeah. Florida, Florida pretty good offensively, not good defensively. Arkansas, the reverse. Mm -hmm. Not good offensively, pretty good I defensively. I wonder if this is a week, too, where, like, Andrew Armstrong or Isaac Tesla wakes up. Coming off the bye, you got to figure... Can Kenny Guyton, receivers coach, move into OC? Can he maximize? Can he maximize his receivers mm -hmm. now that he's kind of, you know, over everything? Are there things he knows about his position group that 
maybe he can exploit. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point. They've got those two guys are playmakers. We saw it in the spring, or we saw it in, in camp. And anybody that would have come to camp would have been like, Tesla is a dude. Mm -hmm. It just, for whatever reason, hasn't translated whatsoever. And but he was doing it against a defense that's playing really that's well play, against yeah, exactly. the elite receivers right now. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe we'll see some things that um, maybe Arkansas necessarily didn't get into you know, the first several weeks of the mm -hmm. year. So maybe one of those guys can, can break out and you know, be a safety valve for KJ, so to speak. Arkansas and Florida, 11 o'clock kickoff on ESPN2. We hope you'll come to wholehogsports.com for all of our coverage leading up to the game, after the game. Also, we got a lot of basketball coverage, finally. We got a lot of basketball stuff going on on the website, too. Hope you'll come check that out and listen to Scotty's basketball podcast, Mid-America, and that comes out once a week. We'll be back with another podcast next Tuesday, looking back at the Arkansas-Florida game, and we'll start to peek ahead a little bit to Arkansas and Auburn at Razorback Stadium. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.